Well, we're in a series of teachings here at Maple Grove Covenant Church, excuse me, uh, called Stronger. And uh, Chad kicked it off uh, uh, about a month ago, talking about that God wants to make our faith stronger. That uh, God's default posture in our lives is that he, he desires to make our faith stronger. And we talked over the last few weeks of how God does that, how God makes our faith stronger. And one of the primary ways, and I began a few weeks ago talking about the scriptures, uh, the German theologian Karl Barth talks about um, the relationship of the Word and the Spirit, and that through the Scriptures that God makes our faith stronger. It's where we hear his voice and remember that he loves us and he has great affections for us. And it's one of the ways that God makes our faith stronger. And then a couple weeks ago, I, a couple weeks ago, I talked about spiritual discipline, spiritual habits, and talked about those, those habits uh, that are available in our lives for us to, to have our faith become stronger. It's one of the ways that God grows us, whether it's fasting, whether it's solitude. And we, we talked about a few different ones, too, called secrecy and some others. And one of the ways that God makes our faith stronger. And then last week, we talked about providential people. Uh, that, that for a lot of us, if we were to be honest, that, that we're here as a result of some people that God used and worked through providentially. And that was just a, a great time of that teaching. And then the challenge was for us then to go out and be providential people, uh, to be available to God what he would have us do, to be inconvenienced, to be open to interruptions, and to invest in relationships and be a providential person. I just want to continue with this series on Stronger. I'm going to talk about serving. And then next week, Chad is going to speak about defining moments, pivotal circumstances. But this morning, uh, in this area of serving, it's very important for us to talk about that and uh, see what God's Word has uh, for us to, to teach us. So if you have a Bible this morning, I'd like to invite you to turn to the Gospel of Mark, second book of the New Testament, Mark chapter 10. If you don't have a Bible, there's Bible, Bibles in the pew in front of you. And also, uh, for those who use their Bible app on their phone or iPad, go ahead and turn to that. Mark chapter 10, verse 35, we're going to begin with. I'm going to use actually a translation, a paraphrase from a guy named Eugene Peterson called The Message. And this will be the, the central text for us this morning as we dive into becoming stronger. And serving is, is one of those ways that makes our faith stronger. Verse 35, James and John, Zebedee's sons, came to him. Teacher, we have something. We have something we want you to do for us. What is it? I'll see what I can do, said Jesus. Arrange it, they said, so that we will be awarded the highest places of honor in your glory. One of us at your right, the other at your left. Jesus said, you have no idea what you're asking. It's an understatement. Verse 42 this is Jesus continuing here. You've observed how godless rulers throw their weight around, he said, and when people get a little power, how quickly it goes to their heads. It's not going to be that way with you. It's not going to be that way in my movement. Whoever wants to be great must become a servant. Whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave. That is what the Son of Man has done. He came to serve, not to be served. And in your Bible, and your notes, if you want to underline that phrase, it's central for us, is that he came to serve, not to be served. It's exactly what Jesus came to. It's his identity. And I think for us, as we dive into this, this topic of serving, I want to actually begin with that last verse, is that Jesus' identity, identity his purpose, his mission, was, was wrapped around serving. It's very significant for us. And I think in American culture, 
in American society, serving or volunteering doesn't seem to be that big of a deal. One out of four Americans serve in some capacity. Over 62 million people in our country every year serve and volunteer. And altogether, that 62 million people actually volunteer and serve 8 billion, billion hours per year. It's the highest of any country in the world. And sociologists point out that the catalyst behind that is Christianity. This high degree of serving, this high degree of volunteering is a result of the movement of Jesus. But back in Jesus' day, that wasn't the case. In fact, serving was something that was looked down on. It wasn't a virtue. It wasn't like something good to do with your life. In the ancient world, the paradigm was, was around two words, honor and shame. And honor meant dominance. It meant people served you, and you received that. It was about your agenda. Very much, James and John here are reflecting this sort of honor paradigm in the ancient world. They're simply reflecting what the culture was all about in that day. And that's shame. Shame meant that you actually served other people. That you actually did something towards them. So this honor and shame in a great book called Humilitas by John Dixon outlines this sort of paradigm in the ancient world. It's a great book about that. And Jesus turns this upside down. He says, no. No, no, it's going to be different. It's going to be different in terms of my movement. And it's going to be different. James and John, you're reflecting this sort of honor, shame sort of viewpoint. But in, in my movement, it's going to be different. And for us, before we move on to anything else, is, is to realize that in Mark 10, these are absolutely revolutionary words. Totally foreign. And if you'd have been there at that time and heard that, it would have shocked you to hear something like that because it was so abnormal, so different from anything that was going in, in, on in that society. But I think for us to realize that very much in the identity of Jesus Christ is serving. He doesn't pull it out of the clouds. He doesn't pull it out of the air. It's his mission and I think even beyond that is to realize that serving, deferring to somebody else, to actually give selflessly to the, to the other person is something that flows out of who God is in the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Spirit. And when you spend time in the Bible and you actually read through the passages, you, you, you see this selfless deference to each other in the Trinity, the Father, Son, Spirit. In spirit, we see here, for example, you'll see on the screen, Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, Jesus defers to the Spirit in going to the wilderness. And then in Matthew chapter 3, verse 17, the Father defers to the Son. This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We see this selfless deference to the other. And then John 14, verse 31, just awesome words here. Jesus deferring to the Father. I love the Father. And I do exactly what my Father has commanded me. So this serving is inherent to who God is and what he's like. It's not some abstract, uh, it's not this peripheral issue. It's not something that Jesus kind of throws in there. It spills, it spills out of who he is and what the Trinity is like. I love this quote by Frederick Bruner. It says this, each member of the Trinity points faithfully and selflessly to the other in a gracious circle. It flows out of who God is and what he's like and what his kingdom is to be like. 
Another observation I want to make is, is not only is, is serving inherent to who God is, but it's also inherent, of course, to what a church community is, as the body of Christ, of course. That ser- serving would be distinctive. That, that serving would be one of the distinctives that would flow out of a, of a church community. It's central to Christianity. And I think uh, for us is, is to realize, is to realize the, the world that we live in and how prevalent mass consumption really is, mass consumerism, how subtle it can, it can kind of uh, slip into our, our worldview, how we view things. And pretty soon our spiritual life, our Christianity becomes very much like that. We consume songs or sermons or Bible studies and a few conversations at a, at a church service, and then we go home. And it kind of falls into that line of mass consumerism. And pretty soon our experiences of church or spiritual life kind of fall into just like we shop at Target or eat lunch at Chipotle. We do church. Just another day in the life of consumer. But in the Bible, these New Testament writers, guys like um, Peter and John and Paul, uh, call to attention the listeners and readers of the day that, that this mass consumption is not to be found in the church, that actually one of the distinctives, one of the central aspects of a church is to be found in serving each other. And we see it in, in this word, in the Greek language. It's, the, the Greek word is alelone, and the phrase is each other or one another. And embedded in this, this alelone is the sense of deferring, of caring for each other of serving each other's needs. For example, in Romans chapter 12, Paul writes this in a great chapter in that book, is to be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. And I think it's reflecting very much Mark chapter 10, this sort of inverted upside down way of Jesus in a beautiful way. Honor other people above yourselves. Because that's what God is like. It's what the Father, Son, and Spirit are like. Defer to each other. Share with those in need. Practice hospitality. And then in Galatians chapter 6, Paul writes this, is that we're to share each other's burdens. And I think for us as a, as a church is to realize as people are, are struggling and going through challenges and problems, I mean, it's, it's one thing to kind of be on the side and, and see them kind of carrying this weight and to talk to them and perhaps pray for them. But the idea of a lay loan, the, the idea uh, of these New Testament writers is that we actually would come along and kind of pick up that, that weight, that burden that somebody is shouldering, that they wouldn't go it alone. Serving is a distinctive of, of a church community. And I think it's one of the distinctives of our church too is seeing people, seeing a, a community group uh, kind of rally around a person who's going through a challenge. And I've seen that in so many times here. They kind of roll up their sleeves and prepare some meals and serve that person or that family in their community group. You come here on Wednesday nights, uh, between the meals that take place and Fam Jam and our student ministry, seeing the number of people that roll up their sleeves and serve here on a regular basis. It's, it's distinctive of our church, serving a lay loan. And you see it in random ways, too. I think one of the privileges that we have for me to be on staff as a pastor is to see people in action 
seeing this serving, this lay loan happening on a regular base, basis, week in, week out, where there's, there's somebody in need and then someone responds. We need to continue that. Because that's what it means to be a church community. That's what it means to be the body of Christ, is where this serving is central to who we are. Another observation I just want to make about uh, this passage in, in Mark chapter 10 is that I think one of the things that serving does for us, and this is where I think it really strengthens our faith, is that it confronts our selfish desires. And we see it right away here in verses 35 through 37 in James and John. They have their own agenda. They have their own desires. And, and when we come into contact with the opportunity to serve, it confronts, it, it reveals, it, it challenges our selfish desires. At least I can speak that for myself. Is that when an opportunity comes up, it confronts my own desires. And I'm sure that's true for you as well. And it's so good for us in those opportunities to pay attention to our heart and our mind. What's going on when we see need? What's happening uh, when we see somebody going through something and we have the opportunity uh, to respond, to be interrupted, to be inconvenienced? What's, what's kind of going on inside? I think as we pay attention to that, it confronts us and it confronts our own desires, our own honor in the ancient world to be served. It's a great quote here by Richard Foster. Nothing disciplines the inordinate desires of the flesh like service. And nothing transforms the desires of the flesh like serving in hiddenness. The flesh whines against service, but screams against hidden service. It strains and pulls for honor and recognition. That's just a very, very important quote for us to think about this morning and to weigh that in our lives. Serving challenges us in those ways. And I think in, in those moments is where we have the opportunity what God wants to do to make our faith stronger is to do a heart check, to do a check on our attitude. Why do I respond in a certain way? You know, and I think um, the, the challenge around being a pastor is, you know, after uh, I put in a full day of ministry, um, kind of off the clock, and uh, I head home and, and, and such, and I think the, the challenge for me is, is talking about service. Because it has to go beyond a job. It has to go beyond a ministry. It's got to be an important part of my life. And this past week, my sister Kim, who lives in uh, the Portland, Oregon area, she called me up and she left me a voicemail and I was heading home after a full day here at church. And I have about a 25-minute drive home. And she left me this voicemail and I was heading home. And, my, and, and I'm one of those people, you know, a five-minute phone conversation is plenty. You know? And, 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 my, and my sister, that's just kind of her introduction. And, and she prefers more like a 50-minute phone conversation. And I, I saw her message on my phone and this opportunity to, you know, and I could, you know, I could realize that based on what she was saying that there was something going on in her family's life and an opportunity for me to respond. And I pushed myself and I was thinking about this sermon and, and I was thinking about 
this, this great quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer in his classic Life Together. Bonhoeffer says that one of the best acts of service that we, we can give to each other is to listen. One of the best acts of service that we can give to one another is to listen and not speak. So I called my sister and I just listened. And it confronted me. Kind of Paul's words, why do I do that which I don't want to do? Why do I have, um, you know, in an embarrassing way, why do I have feelings like this? Why would I rather listen to the radio or um, just have silence on my way home? Why not respond to my sister? And I think serving in those capacities confronts our selfish desires. And we see that. We see that in Mark 10 and James and John. Well, I want to uh, kind of shift gears with this teaching. I want to talk about some application because as we talk about serving, I think for each of us to begin thinking about what are some things that we can do? What are some things that we can do in terms of, of serving? And uh, for, for our church community, uh, one of the ways that we've been serving actually is through um, being a part of ending extreme poverty, a part of doing, uh, do something. This great campaign for our church and I'd like to have Chad and Bill come up here, and they're going to talk about um, their trip and talk about uh, ways that we've been serving. And grab those two chairs there. Welcome back, guys. Nice to have you here. Good. You know, as Chad, was, we were talking in the uh, uh, side room there, the prayer room, uh, kind of preparing for the service. Uh, Chad mentioned that uh, they're kind of in a different time zone right now. So they just got off the plane on Friday night. So great to have you guys here. And I think just to begin by talking about, just summarizing the trip after three weeks in Africa. You know. So we, uh, I calculated a few things yesterday. And so we were gone 22 days. We traveled 29,000 miles, took 15, 13 different flights. It took us 39 hours to get home. We ate uh, rice and meat 22 different times. So, uh, we visited nine countries. We saw 16 types of animals. Chad gave three sermons. Uh, we did two home visits. Uh, God added two days to our trip, which was a wonderful re rest. And you know, God worked through those two days for me. Uh, one time, uh, Chad ate monkey, and in a village in Congo, I met my favorite person. And there's this lady who th could not believe that I was older than Chad. She thought I looked much younger <laughs> than Chad. So uh, that was the highlight of the trip for me. We need to put that on a postcard on the Do Something bulletin board right there for Bill. That's awesome. Yeah, th those were some of the uh, some of the stats, and uh, as you can recall, we've had we've been reviewing some statistics. Like 1.4 billion people live on less than a dollar 25 a day, and how 22,000 uh, children die every day of preventable diseases. And some of those statistics are just hard to get your head around. Uh, but now uh, poverty has a name, uh, poverty has a face, and uh, poverty has a story. You can see Bill uh, holding a young young girl on the screen, uh, if you can go back just to that one. Uh, this is a, a, a trip uh, where we were, we were leaving a Bible institute, and uh, 
there was a, a family that needed to get to the hospital, and we were in the back of a pickup truck for about a, a three-hour bumpy road home, and um, we just made room. And uh, Bill had a chance to hold this little girl uh, in his lap for uh, about two, two of those three hours. Then the bench broke as, a, as we were driving along, and she went inside the pickup truck. But, um, but poverty has a name. Poverty has a face. It's the face of this little girl. It's, it's, the, it's the face of a young uh, mother named Pamela that lives in a slum and is seeking to raise five children. And uh, the needs are great. Uh, it's often overwhelming. Uh, but our God is greater. And uh, one of the privileges that we had a chance to do is to, is to meet some of the local leaders and local people that are doing a great work. Uh, and the picture on the screen is a slum in Nairobi. It's Kabira. And about 800,000 people live in the slum. That's just the, that's the sewage that runs in between the homes, and it just reeks. It's just, a, it's just an awful place to live. Um, but there's a church called Nairobi Chapel, and uh, a ministry that they have where they go and meet and befriend uh, members of the community. And we had a chance to go on one of these home visits in an in a urban slum uh, to get to know a woman named Pamela who's HIV positive, has four kids, adopted one other, five kids that she seeks to, to raise, and a church that's helping her to do that. And it was just um, overwhelming to, to not go and to serve, because we weren't there serving, but we were there to watch servants and uh, this volunteer from this church to go and minister to those living in extreme poverty. And we were humbled, and we were blessed, and we kind of stood in awe at the work that God was doing in Africa, particularly in this Nairobi slum. This is a, a picture of me uh, preaching at a church in Kitangala, and that's Pastor Simon uh, to my left, who was just doing a phenomenal work there, too. Uh, we, we visited just about 20 ministries, and uh, our prayer was, God, what are you doing? And how might we join in what you're doing in Africa to end extreme poverty? What did you, what did you notice about the, uh, the churches in terms of just their spiritual vitality or, or just kind of the spiritual condition um, among the pastors and, and, and just these churches that you guys interacted with? Well, I think we saw a passion for God that, at least to me, has been lacking. The way that people worship, uh, we, we had the privilege to go to the Nairobi Chapel staff meeting. And they started out with dancing. And uh, there's some pictures of me and some pictures of Chad dancing that, that look ridiculous. But <laughs> because they are. <laughs> they are. And so we were, you know, they would say, move to the right, move to the left. Chad and I were standing next to each other, and we'd keep bumping into each other. But through that, found that they were really worshiping. And I'm not one to, to raise my hands or put my hands out during singing, but I did. And it, it's completely different, the idea of giving your life to God so that he can use you. And so the, the churches are fantastic. There can be worship without understanding the uh, music. And so it was awesome. How about just for you guys personally, just your own, your own journey uh, during those three weeks, uh, what God was just doing in your own heart and, uh, you know, your own, your own life? Um, yeah, he, uh, I mean, I spent more time with God in, 
the couple days we had with nothing to do than I, I ever have. And, and Chad gave me some homework and some writing, and I filled a notebook and really feel that God's calling me to be less superficial in all my relationships hmm. and uh, just trying to sort through what that means. How about for you, Chad? Well, I, I, um, I had the privilege of, of going to Africa previously and actually engaging in ministry, and it was, uh, it was, it was, a, it was a homecoming of sorts and, and a real sense of connection to the people and the voice of God, uh, just saying, um, you know, I'm with you and uh, I'm for you, and, and some of the relational connections that I was able to re-engage with were just really tender mm-hmm. uh, personally. And um, uh, once again, to, just to see uh, the overwhelming needs and some of these great uh, leaders were, was just inspiring. Hmm. I mean, talk about servants. Uh, there was a woman named Rose who recently retired, and uh, she was a medical, biomedical um, engineer at the local hospital. And um, she retired, and now she's serving in a slum every day without pay to care for the kids that don't have a place to go or preschool to attend. And she started this little preschool, mm. and she serves. And her life and hearing her story uh, was so motivating and inspiring for me. Yeah. Well, when we close with just, uh, just uh, sharing about how uh, our church can continue in serving towards ending extreme poverty through Do Something and through uh, uh, the future strategy. Yeah, first, just to say thank you for your prayers over the last three weeks. Thank you for your comments via email and Twitter. And, and, um, and we're, at a, we're at a spot where I think uh, the wind of the Spirit is blowing in, in the direction of, of, of doing something significant to, to put a dent, or as we say, end extreme poverty. And some of the things we're already doing, like we're reading uh, in adult ed, the class When Helping Hurts, or the book When Helping Hurts, trying to think critically, okay, Historically, things have not gone well as we've tried to eliminate poverty. What might we do differently? So one thing that we can do is to think and to read. Second is to fast. You know, we're, we're trying to give up something good to participate in something great, and there's something truly transformational inside our own hearts as we give up something good to give, up, or to give some resources to someone else. And then the final one is to continue to pray. Um, our prayer on our journey was simply, God, help us see what you're doing and how we might be able to join you in that. And we're still asking that. There are some wonderful opportunities, but we can't do everything. We can only do something. So over the next few weeks, we're trying to discern that. So please pray with us as a leadership team. We're meeting on Tuesday, and we're going to try to continue to discern how might God be leading us so that we can go, go deeper. There's a great African proverb that says, if you want to go fast, you can go alone. If you want to go far, we must go together. Mm. And we want to go together as a church to go far in ending poverty in a particular place over a long period of time. So think with us, fast with us, pray with us as we seek to go far together as a church. All right. Thanks, guys. Let's give them a hand. Chad will have that recipe on uh, monkey, monkey meat later on. Uh, so good. Uh, I just want to continue um, as we think about serving, and as as Chad, uh, you know, Chad and Bill discussed about Africa, and 
you know, response that you might have to something like that. You see the pictures and you might think, well, I, I can't, that's just not going to happen. Um, that's, that, that's not really going to happen in my life or it may seem so big and so large. And sometimes we talk about service or we talk about serving. I think there's a lot of you that discount yourself and say, you know what, I just, this is not me. And I want to encourage you to take a step this morning because serving is one of the ways that God makes our faith stronger. And he wants to make your faith stronger through serving, for you to give to others, to defer to others, other people and their needs. On the back of your program, you have a penny that's taped to it. You want to grab that? I'd like you to take that penny off. Cost me a lot of money to do this, this little illustration this morning. Um, and I was at the winter retreat yesterday. I talked about this as well. You know, a lot of us, we have pennies. We have pennies in our pockets. We have pennies in our cars. It's something very little. It's something really small. And we tend to overlook it. It's not really that big a deal. But in a lot of ways, there's more value to a penny than, than we often think. In fact, I did a little research on this. and I looked it up, that uh, fascinating history on the penny. But one of the things, it costs 1.72 cents to make a penny these days which might be a different conversation about the United States economy. That's a different, different conversation, but it costs more to make a penny. But I, I think the point is to realize that in these small things, there's a lot of value. There's more value than we think. And I want to encourage you this morning to take some steps. What are those little things? What are those little things in your life? What are those little things in your family? Where, that, where serving would be distinctive of who you are because that's what God is like. What are those little things? Those little opportunities on a regular basis that you have each day. It's not waiting for that trip to a foreign land. That may happen to you and that's great, but what are those little things week in, week out in your neighborhood Maybe it's shoveling snow. Maybe it's, it's preparing a meal. Maybe it's making cookies for somebody, serving them in some capacity. You have somebody who's new who moves into your neighborhood. What can you do in the little things in serving? How about in this church? What are those little things that you see, perhaps people around you in a Sunday morning service or a, a ministry that you're a part of? What are those little things and maybe it's a hidden service, as Foster talked about. It's for you to, to serve them in some way that's kind of, it's kind of anonymous and it's hidden. What are those little things? How about in your, your marriage? What are those little things perhaps you used to do when you're first married, in like that first year or two, when everything was just rocking in your marriage? And now you've been married 10, 15, 20 years. What are those little things that you can serve your spouse in some way? Maybe it's doing the dishes. Maybe it's preparing something. Maybe it's taking care of the kids. Giving him or her a, a day off where you just serve them and not to draw attention to yourself. You know, not to put on Facebook, hey, this is what I did today for my wife or my husband. But actually just do it in a quiet way just to serve them. Those little things. Our students... What are, what are the little things that you can do for your mom or your dad? I'm talking to my son and my daughter right now. What are those, what are those little things you can do for me, Alex? Now, no, it's, but what are those little things? What are those little things that you can do for your parents? That's not part of your chore list. It's not part of, you know, 
getting allowance. But it's small things that you can do to serve your parents or maybe your siblings in some capacity. I think for us to think about that and maybe hang on to this penny and think about ways of how God might use that in your life and speak to you. You know, and I have, I have a couple of pastors I spend time with, and one in particular on a weekly basis, where he is so much a guy of little things, where I spend time with him and he just listens to me and asks questions. He's very much like that Bonhoeffer quote. He just listens. And he just serves, serves me in just an amazing way, week in, week out, and offers hospitality to me in the little things. And it's been remarkable to be a friend with him for the last five years of my life and, and how that's rubbed off in my life and how God has used that to speak to me too and, and to be cognizant of those little things and what I might be doing. And it's in serving. It's in serving that God makes our faith stronger. Let's pray. Father God, we give thanks. As we hang on to this penny, as we think about relationships, we think about people in our lives, coworkers, um, maybe a stranger that we come in contact with, what might be those little things that we can do to serve them? And for us to kind of realize in American culture that the, the catalyst that Christianity has been from Mark 10 on, uh, the catalyst that the movement of Jesus Christ has been towards in serving, where it's had an impact on how we do life in serving. God, help us to be the kind of people, as we think about this passage, uh, to be the kind of people that just give towards one another. And in the midst of that, and maybe it's being confronted with our own um, desires and our own agendas, and how you speak to that and how you shape and form us through that. And again, God, for those of us in the room here this morning that may be listening to that disqualify ourselves, because we feel like we need to have our, our lives in shape first. We need to have our stuff together first. Maybe it's in the midst of our own brokenness, in the midst of our own stuff that we serve. Just give towards others. And we do this for your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.